Well, good morning, everybody. Again. Um, it's a front room, as always, so I kicked off my shoes. And this week I'm going to sit down. Is that all right? Yeah? Is that a bit daring? Yeah? I'd love a coffee. That'd be great. Go get me one, then. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I thought we'd try it this way. See how, see how it works out. Can you all see me? You don't need to. You just need to hear me. Um, but that's fine. Are we all doing all right? Yeah? Yeah? Good. Some of us are. Some of us aren't. Oh, Esther's doing really well. Okay, this morning, um, as you should probably be aware by now, if you receive emails or look at Facebook or Twitter or um, last week's newsletter or anything like that, that this morning I'm going to talk about tithes and offerings. Excellent, somebody said. (coughs) And um, (coughs) Excuse me if I've still got a bit of a niggly cough. I don't mean to cough into your ears. So forgive me if I do that. Just kind of do this if you see one coming. Um, uh, I wrote on Facebook that I'm going to talk about um, finances. And somebody, somebody wrote, why can't you just say you're going to talk about money? Uh, finances seems a bit of a euphemism. As if like, if we say finances, it's going to be less, less direct. So this morning I'm going to talk about money. Uh, the stuff that you have in your wallets and your bank accounts and under your mattress or in your pillow. Or wherever else you may choose to, to launder it, to keep it. <coughs> um, okay, there's going to be a number of verses that uh, I'm going to go through this morning. Um, so I kind of don't expect you to really keep up with the whole flipping and stuff. But I'm going to quote them to you. So um, if you have a pen and a piece of paper, you can, you can take notes uh, of what script, the scriptures are. And you can look at them later. Just to um, kind of... Uh, where are they? Have we got one of those tithe and, um, focus on giving things? Has anybody got one? Yeah, just, just, hold, just hold it up. Just hold it up in the air. Um, you should have been given one of these things as you walked through the door this morning. If you weren't, um, come and grab one from this table because they've got loads. And uh, it's something we created last year to help us focus on the coming week on finance. And uh, I'll go into a little bit more detail about why that is in a little while. But first off... I just want, to, um, just want to quote Mark 10, verses 21 to 23. And this is from the message, so it might look slightly different in your versions if you don't have it. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. He said, there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth. And come and follow me. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things. And he wasn't about to let go. Looking at his disciples, Jesus says, Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to come in to enter God's kingdom. Excuse me. So just put this morning's kind of talk into that context. Why is it in our society we find it difficult, we often find it difficult to talk about money? You know, why people, you know, think that finance is just a euphemism for money and and we all start getting tangled up in this kind of scariness called money. In fact, I think in the church itself, 
we can also find it difficult to talk about money. Pretty much every Sunday morning throughout churchdom, you'll probably hear inspiring talk after inspiring talk. Yet amongst all this, we find very little attempt to tackle the issue of money. We delicately hold out the offering basket while subconsciously looking the other way, not wanting to embarrass the giver or ourselves. And I accept this is a generalization and that we're not all like this, but I think you can probably agree with me. And my main point is that to talk about money in our society and to talk about money in the church seems to be a difficult thing to do. I mean, how many of you pause, if you're working, how many of you pause when somebody asks you, how much do you earn a year? As if it's some secret knowledge that only you should know. And if you let it out, something will happen that's a bit weird. I, I do, I pause. And then I think, do you know what? My, who I am isn't dependent on how much I earn every year. That's not who I am. It's, what's that? There is, well, there, there, in, in, in certain scenarios, there is a wisdom. But on the whole, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Eh? That's very true. That's very true. I think we've got to use that discernment. But still, my main point is, why do we have an issue with it? I can even now, with these questions coming out, I can sense that there's still, ooh, but what, what about this scenario? What about that scenario? We still have an issue when we want to talk about money. Now, every year for the past few years, we've specifically taken two points in the year, so the beginning of the year and towards the end of the year, to purposely take time out and run against the grain of this thinking when it comes to finance. Um, we've taken time to focus on issues around money head-on and to present an open and transparent case as to why we think that money has its place in helping us advance the kingdom of God. We've usually taken two weekends on these two points, and on the first of these two weekends, me, generally me, um, I've spoke about tithe and offerings, and, and I've gone into some detail as to why we justify the tithe and, and why we encourage uh, the offering. And I also, um, I've gone into some details why I think it is very specific and still relevant for life today, and it's not just an old covenant um, attitude and, and, and principle. Except this morning, I'm not, going to be do, I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm not going to go into that teaching. If you want to listen to it, it's on the web. Just look back in kind of March or, March or September and remind yourselves. I want to talk about money as I think we should all think about money, and that is through our giving we're worshipping our daddy God. And we're doing that just as much as any prayer or any musical kind of worship. And that if we hold back on our giving, then we may as well hold back on our singing and our praying and everything else that we do to worship God. Because to give and to be generous is just as much an act of worship as those other traditional acts of worship. Okay, there's a few nods of heads there. Some people have gone a bit serious on me. That's fine. I expect this every March and September. 
I do, however, want to just touch upon tithing in a, in a practical sense. And uh, I want to ask ourselves this question. What are we going to get if we tithe? What are we going to get if we tithe? That's that question. Because some would say that if you give, if you give 10%, the Lord will repay you. 20%, 30%, 40%. He'll repay us abundantly. Some would say that. Some would teach that. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. I'm going somewhere with it, Mel. It's all right. It's all right. No, <laughs> and in the book of Malachi, the Bible says this. Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there'll not be enough room to store it. In Scripture, I think that's the only place where God says, test me in something. So we can't argue with that, with that verse. I'm not going to argue with that verse. I'm not going to suggest that, you know, if we give, he won't give back abundantly. That's not where I'm going, because I believe that. And I believe that if we give our tithes and our offerings obediently, we will see a difference in our lives. Even if we don't get things back financially, there'll be other ways to which God blesses us. And I believe that. So let me put that right there. But there's a more of a point I want to bring to it. Because some have presented an entire argument for tithing around the fact that God will give you back more than you give to him. That very basic argument. And they built whole ministries around that. That if you give, he'll give you back more. Some evangelists and television personalities, particularly in the United States, because we can't do it on our television in the UK, it's a bit more awkward, so it's primarily in the States, have made a living promising wealth and health for everyone who sends them money. Others have, like I say, have played flat out on these beliefs and swindled people out of their money. They've promised that their diseases, their sicknesses, their infirmities will be healed if they give to the Lord. That's what's happened. So why do we give? Because the Lord promises to bless us. That's what it says in Malachi 3.10. But unfortunately, more and more of that type of preaching that I've just mentioned has resulted in the people of the body of Christ looking for what Christ can offer them in terms of money, material possessions, personal happiness, advancement, and recognition. While Paul and Barnabas preached in Acts 14.22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. We can preach quite the opposite these days. Just trust the Lord and he'll take care of you. I do believe he will take care of us. I ultimately do believe that. So I don't want you to think that I don't think that, but I'm trying to pull something out of this. But I'm asking, is there a biblical call beyond just giving money to receive something, which is what a lot of people will preach. But is there a biblical call for us to be more responsible with our money? I'll say it again then. Is there a biblical call for us to be more responsible with our own money? 
Is there ever a call for us to sacrifice some of these worldly pleasures? To be blunt, is God required to always give us more than we give him? There's a shake of the head, that's good. I'll ask it again. Is God required to always give us more than we give him? In other words, is it a hard and fast rule? So if we give, he'll give us more? Oh, you're skipping ahead, but that's brilliant. Absolutely. Or he might ask us someday to possibly think about not spending so much on ourselves instead. If you listen to the news and politicians regularly, you'll still hear stories of our country's financial uh, woes. And I ask the question, it's a simplistic question, but what brought about our nationwide, indeed worldwide, financial problems? What brought that about? In a simplistic way, these problems weren't brought on because folks had an income problem. It's because they had, and even surprisingly now, a spending problem. Income's never been an issue in the West in particular. It's our spending which has been the issue. Good financial advisors would say that the first order of business, and I know that Mike's probably going to nod his head, and so is Sarah. The first order of business on getting on top of your finances is to get control of your spending. I think we'd all agree with that. And if you don't, agree today and work with it. And let me bring this back to the practicalities of tithing. The first order of business when talking about tithing or giving is to not only get a handle on what exactly we are doing with our finances, but to get a handle on what the Bible teaches. Now, it's not my goal at the end of this message to see an increase in giving at City Church Leeds. That's not my goal. So you can, if you're feeling guilty about it or anything like that, stop right now. That's not my goal. That's not what I'm after. I trust God with his church. I'm not going to preach to you anything that I'm uncertain about. And this may surprise one or two of you. Um, but I don't understand or quite get every single word of the Bible. I'm a student of it. I may teach parts of it and teach my understanding of what it is, but I'm still a student. And God is still teaching me and helping me grow. As he should for each and every one of you here. And every worldwide scholarly theologian is still learning about what God is saying to them through Scripture. I can't come to you as a financial expert either. In all honesty, myself and my wife Kath, have, we're still working through debt issues that I brought into the marriage. Pre-Christian walk. But then again, I must... On the other hand, these issues have kind of, they've led us to understand what it means to let spending get out of control, whether on purpose or whether these things are pushed on you. And we're probably now the right people to come to when you want to talk about money, when you want to find yourself in the same situation as us, we can probably understand that and we'll be able to help you climb out of that. I've spoke about that before, it shouldn't come as a surprise to many of you. So we had a situation, but we're dealing with it together. God has helped me grow up in regards to this issue. 
And although there are lots of voices preaching this doctrine or that doctrine about giving, the Bible, as it turns out, has quite a lot of good things to tell us about giving. Practical things. Real things. Real advice. Real teaching. And as we've come to God today and we've, we've told him, I hope through our worship and our singing, that we love him and we're still telling them we love him and that we want to follow him, as we've worshipped and we've lifted our voices in praise and we've identified ourselves publicly, our doors are not closed, we have identified ourselves publicly as believers in Christ and made a commitment to live with him, let's ask this question. Are we trusting God with our finances? Are we trusting God with our money? And seeking his guidance and instruction? Or are we trying to manage our own account? Galatians 2.20 says this. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If someone wanted to investigate whether or not we were truly followers of Christ and they had no other evidence but our financial records, would they conclude that we live for Christ or live for ourselves? If someone had to investigate whether or not we were true followers of Christ, we were true believers, and all they had to go on was our financial records, would they conclude that we lived for Christ or we lived for ourselves? The Bible seems to be very clear about the idea of giving to God. It comes from the heart that worships God, not from a heart that is looking for something in return. And that's my point that I was referring to earlier. Give in return, not just seeking a return. Give in return, not just seeking a return. Just like Hannah pointed out earlier, that he's already given us all we could ever need. Why do we do this? Because if we do it that way, then giving is an act of worship and thanksgiving, and it's not just a business proposition. When the nation of Israel began to tithe, part of that was to bring their first fruits. And let me read you Deuteronomy 26, verses 8 to 10. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. When we get to God, whether it be in a regular offering or a heap offering like we're going to take next week or uh, when we give just a gift to help somebody's need we can give hoping to see a return but that's not the point we may get a return but that's not the point we give because of what God has already given us if we're not careful and we make it a business proposition our motives might start and end on me. Me, myself, and I. Or we can give, because like I said, the God has blessed us, so we're giving out of thanks, recognizing that it comes from the God in the first place, and it doesn't require 
a return. Psalm 24, 1 declares, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. And in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul asks, and what do you have that you did not receive? When you give as a way of simply telling God, thank you, recognizing how he has blessed you with no other agenda than its worship. When you give as a way of simply telling God, thank you, recognizing how he has already blessed you with no other agenda than its worship. As much as praying, as much as singing, it's worship. Now let's consider these special offerings for a moment, or what, like I say, what we're calling a heap offering. Uh, when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 12 to 13. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. It doesn't do the body of Christ any good when we see some TV evangelist beg for money and then appear, so just appear, to spend it on themselves and a lavish lifestyle. Because potentially the focus becomes them and not God. It doesn't do the body of Christ any good when Christians give, for, give uh, money for the loudly stated purpose of seeing more in return. Even if God kept it and gave us nothing in return, don't we owe him our very lives anyway? Don't we owe him our very lives anyway? When folks outside of church see real generosity that doesn't expect to be repaid, when they see giving that recognizes something beyond self, when giving recognizes God, then they see not only our confession of the gospel, but our obedience to it too. So when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your money and your giving, this is where the rubber hits the road. Where our real priorities and our real faithfulness comes to light. As we bring our finances, our money, under obedience and thankfulness to God. And here's a phrase that I found which I quite like. Give in the right way, not necessarily right away. So give in the right way, not necessarily right away. Now, why am I saying that phrase? Because there seems to be, again, and there is, we can see it in society. There's a lot of people with a, in a trap of debt and obligations. For them, I would suggest that honoring God with their finances starts with not necessarily giving more but by being a better steward 
So not necessarily by giving more, but by being a better steward. That's how they can honor God, those that are trapped in debt. I would say, point blank, that I think it is wrong for you to tithe yourself into debt. That makes no sense to me. Don't tithe yourself into debt. But I'm going to go on, because I'll explain that a little bit more. We shouldn't forget what else the Bible teaches about finances. It doesn't just have to be those verses that are used for the name it and claim it sermons. Or the blab it and grab it messages. Romans 13 verses 7 to 8 says this. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding. Accept the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Who has ever loved others has fulfilled the Old Testament. Everything in there boils down to loving Christ and loving one another. So here's the question, don't have to answer it out loud. Do you have debt? Do you have credit cards that you... Yeah, do you have credit cards? Do you owe someone? God wants you to pay that back. doesn't want you to delay. And we're all guilty of doing that. He wants you to pay them back. Too many times we can hear a message on giving and end up feeling guilty and we give without looking. And suddenly we run out of money and we quit. We wonder why God didn't come through. Now maybe God wanted to to teach us something rather than simply giving 10%. It's important that we learn how to manage our money, take care of our obligations and get control of our spending so that ultimately we can be more generous and honor God with good stewardship. And we should do it not only because it makes business sense, because that actually does make good business sense, but because we care about God enough to take the time to do it for him. Now, someone might ask, all right, if I pay my debt, can I skip tithing for a while? And my genuine response would be, I don't know. Where else are you spending your money? So don't tie yourself into debt, but then look at where else you might be spending your money. Question? Not looking at anybody, well, I'm looking at all of you, but not particularly <laughs> looking at one of you and pointing that out. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and she put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. It says this, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put everything in that she had to live on. 
She made a sacrifice. She was trusting God, but she was sacrificing her next meal as well. We need to be careful. We don't tell God, sorry, I can't afford to give you anything. And then continue to purchase premium channels on satellite TV. Or to continue to spend hundreds of pounds a month on some kind of hobby. What's God going to think about that? He sees everything. He knows if we're giving out of only our wealth instead of giving out of real sacrifice. Reminding ourselves of Jesus' words, which one do he think he will bless more? And that's the bottom line. Give trusting in God, not trusting in wealth. Give trusting in God, not trusting in wealth. What I'm trying to do this morning is give you a rounded picture. Some things about what I've said may seem even contradictory to what I've I've preached about, but put them in the whole context. Put them in the bigger picture. Everything about life in this world teaches us how temporary it is, how impossible to keep it is. What we buy wears out. New technology becomes old. Our income doesn't go as far as it used to. Jobs can end. The economy can slow down and occasionally the stock market crashes. Tomorrow you might strike it rich or you may lose it all. When you think about it, the world can scare you to death and make you want to hold on to your wealth. Let me say it again. When you think about it, the world can scare you to death and make you want to hold on to your wealth. But remember that giving not only worships God, but it shows that you're trusting God as well. Not only to take care of the future, but in looking forward to an eternal reward that is not temporary. Let me read you 1 Timothy. I'm coming to a close. Let me read you 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What is the Bible saying here? It's encouraging us to start investing into our eternal future, not just our earthly retirement. And it's more than just giving. It's about you and God right now, today, this very moment. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let me ask you this one final question before we take tithes and we bring our offerings. Will you trust him not just with your finances, with your money, but will you trust him with 
your life? Ask yourself that question and see how deep down the rabbit hole of what that really means goes. Let's bring our tithes and our offerings right now. Again, my point of this preach wasn't to have you give more. Give whatever the Spirit tells you to give. But it was just to make you think that giving is an act of worship. As much as singing and praying. Because you're giving, because you trust Him. You're giving because you want to be obedient to Him. And you don't want to hold anything back that you can give to Him. So that's the only thing I would say. Think about as you're writing out your tithes and your offering envelopes. Think about what you're bringing to Him in obedience and trust.